Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the government's motion on the Emergencies Act passes with reluctant support from the NDP. We're reluctant because it should have never got to this point. So we are reluctantly prepared to support the Emergencies Measures Act to protect our democracy, to protect workers, and to particularly target the financing of this very serious uh, convoy, the occupation that has put a, a serious threat to Canadians, to, to the residents of Ottawa, and to our democracy. A Liberal MP questions the need for the Emergencies Act. It's the blockades at issue. When we look at the threats of serious violence, the violence that must itself constitute the national emergency at issue, it's unclear how the definition is met. And as fears of Russian aggression escalate, the Prime Minister says Canada stands with Ukraine. Canada stands with its allies against uh, this aggressive uh, Russian uh, positioning and will uh, respond strongly and firmly with our allies uh, in case of any territorial violation of Ukraine. It's Tuesday, February 22nd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Christy Kirkup from The Globe and Mail. Christy, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Mark. So the Emergencies Act was approved by the House of Commons. Uh, so it is law now, and it was uh, approved by a margin of 185 to 151 uh, with the NDP supporting the Liberals um, and the Conservatives and the Bloc Québécois voting against it. Um, and I know that the Prime Minister had to answer the question of, of why it's still necessary, even though the demonstration, the blockade, has been removed from downtown Ottawa. So let's talk about that a little bit. What was the government's rationale for going ahead with this, and, and what does it mean in the days ahead if the if the threat has been the immediate threat has been removed yeah and i think a lot of canadians will be asking this question why is it if we're seeing you know essentially de-escalation of um the situation in ottawa why is this still required and at a news conference on monday the prime minister did say that eventually the federal government will um, be looking to lift uh, this um, emergency um, and that they only hope to have it in place uh, for uh, perhaps a, a number of more days but he pointed to the fact that people are still indicating that they are ready to engage in blockades. For example, pointing to surrounding areas um, near Ottawa, such as Van Creek Hill and Embrun and um, communities Armprior as well, communities where people, according to police as well, are kind of essentially um, you know, staying in place and there is concern that once more strict um, measures are lifted in the nation's capital, that perhaps people will flock back in, into the core, um, which is exactly what they would not want. Um, so again, the Prime Minister delivering this message of we, we really don't want to have to do this, and we will lift it as soon as is necessary. But they do believe, given the security situation, that police are monitoring very closely, that it uh, does remain um, needed to have it in place. Yeah. And let's talk about the NDP. I mentioned they supported it, and it was reluctant support, clearly. That's the word that Jagmeet Singh used. So I, I know the NDP felt very much in a, uh, that they were in a tricky position on this. Uh, so uh, what, in the end, tipped them in that direction? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, there were a lot of people um, kind of scratching their heads politically why the NDP uh, perhaps would be on board with this. And frankly, um, the NDP leader has essentially made the argument again that, you know, this should be used um, in kind of a very targeted way, but that it was necessary given the um, very challenging situation, especially in the nation's capital, um, that played out for more than three weeks' time before we really saw that move in, that uh, big enforcement effort uh, by police. And uh, as you noted, Jagmeet Singh expressing reluctance about this, uh, but again, saying that, you know, for a short period of time, that this piece of legislation is not the War Measures Act. The Emergencies Act, um, uh, you know, was brought about in 1988 to replace the War Measures Act. So he was making the distinction that it is not, um, you know, the, the legislation that, that came before it. Um, and again, that this needed to be, you know, a very time-specific, targeted way that the federal government could intervene given the magnitude of the crisis um, that, um, again, was brought to bear in Ottawa, but in other places uh, across the country in terms of uh, the illegal blockades, as the government has referred to them. Yeah. Now, it's interesting is that the Conservatives have in the past spoken out against blockades. And I know we've, we've talked many times on this podcast about how the Conservatives ended up in a delicate position. I, I don't think anybody of all the political parties really has felt their uh, entirely comfortable with everything that's going on and the decisions that have had to be made in there. And I don't think anybody's gained any support, frankly, from all of this. The Conservatives have have been have been put in a in a position, and I think there's some division within their ranks over whether they should have taken a different approach or some of their MPs should have taken a different approach to the protesters. But they did vote against the Emergencies Act. Uh, so what was what was their explanation for that and and where does that where do you think that leaves us after the demonstrations the blockades are now over where does that leave the conservative party yeah so in terms of the justification in the house of commons on monday the interim conservative leader candace bergen talked about um the emergency uh, measures uh, act being an overreach and she also demanded to know when measures were going to be listed which by the way the Prime Minister has not been prescriptive about essentially what the threshold will be um, when they're going to be looking to lift these measures. Um, Candace Bergen also saying um, that, you know, we're asking the question, what is the criteria for this emergency to be declared over, as I mentioned, and uh, suggesting that the Prime Minister needed to put an end to unprecedented and invasive measures. In terms of where this leads, um, the Conservative Party leaves the Conservative Party. I think that, frankly, um, uh, Justin Trudeau and the Liberals um, do see a political opportunity in that Conservatives have um, kind of been uh, (laughs) facing some criticism um, from individuals about, again, support uh, of the blockade or uh, of the um, protest efforts, I should say. And then Candace Bergen speaking out clearly most recently against blockades, but again, suggesting that you know, this moment that we saw on Parliament Hill, specifically in reference to the law enforcement um, on Friday, was, you know, somehow um, the result of, of what the Prime Minister has done, that it was his fault. And I think the Liberals, um, I'm not trying to suggest that they're, they're capitalizing on that, but I think for them, it's, they see a very clear argument that this is not the case, that this was never about, you know, opposition to 
vaccination mandates, that this was something about, you know, something much bigger, that this is emblematic of uh, far-right politics in Canada, um, specifically those who have been engaged in, you know, going after people on the streets of Ottawa, threatening behavior, um, physical behavior, um, which, again, the, the police in Ottawa and the mayor have spoken very clearly about that this was not your average demonstration, if you will, um, that this became an occupation, that people were entrenched in the downtown core, that there was very clearly... Um, you know, uh, money and uh, coordinated effort coming from outside of the country and believing that, again, this, this was not in the realm of a, a normal protest or people vocalizing the democratic rights, um, that this really was um, indicative of far-right politics in Canada that was essentially on display, um, you know, at, at the core of the nation's capital. Yeah. And just before we leave uh, this vote on the Emergencies Act and all of the implications from it, um, it was interesting that there was some back and forth on whether this represented a confidence motion, uh, if the government had been defeated on this act, whether uh, that would have meant the government fell uh, and would have triggered an election. Um, And and the Liberals seem to say that it was a confidence motion, and they— it was a whipped vote, and Nate Erskine-Smith, who is a Toronto-area Liberal MP, basically said that he didn't agree uh, and that he was opposed to uh, the invoking of the Emergencies Act, but that he would vote with his party because he had confidence in the government. So that was an interesting subplot that played out yesterday. Yeah, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, um, a Toronto-area Liberal MP, is kind of known for, you know, being uh, quite outspoken. He will, um, you know, say what he thinks, if you will. And in this case, he delivered a speech in the House of Commons and talked about essentially his skepticism about the, the legal test and whether it had actually been met to invoke the Emergencies Act. And frankly, I think that that is perhaps where some of the discussion goes from from here, which is this question of whether the legal bar, um, which is stipulated in the Emergencies Act, um, right in the legislation, whether that was indeed met. Um, and, you know, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith with a legal background kind of saying that, of course, what we, we saw um, was a challenge to the rule of law, but that, you know, essentially the the law has to apply, and he was not confident, again, that that benchmark had been met uh, to invoke the Emergencies Act. But as you say, voting along with other Liberal MPs uh, during Monday's vote and saying that his disagreement essentially did not amount um, to, to non-confidence and that he had no interest in an election. And just to circle back to the NDP for one second, I think that's another reason why the NDP also was making it clear that they were voting alongside the Liberals. That at this time, uh, when we've seen, we have seen this level of crisis, that this is no time to plunge Canadians back into another election. So, yeah. um, again, the, the Emergencies Act uh, does have um, you know, the confidence of the majority of MPs in the House, and, and hence uh, it has passed. All right, Christy, uh, as we wrap up, let's talk about uh, Canada's role in the international story that's playing out right now, uh, the fear that Russia is going to move into Ukraine. And uh, the prime minister yesterday said uh, that uh, Canada will stand for the entire territorial integrity of Ukraine. There's talk of Canada and other countries responding with harsh economic sanctions against Russia if there is any aggression. Um 
so let's talk about that for a moment. What what is Canada's position, and and how could the next few days play out in this very tense international crisis? Yeah, I think this is an increasingly volatile situation, and frankly, you know, I think we're getting indications from um, members of the Canadian government, including obviously the Prime Minister, but the Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie coming out with a statement on Monday evening, uh, essentially um, sending the signal that they are proposing to impose economic sanctions uh, for actions on on the part of Russia. Um, separate from those prepared to respond to any further military invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and then, of course, um, reiterating the line uh, about you know standing um, up in support of Ukraine's sovereignty and, and territorial integrity. So I think this is a cue from the minister again. They are, um, you know, they are readying the hammer, if you will, and, and preparing those economic sanctions. We saw uh, from Ukraine's uh, counterpart. He was also tweeting about. Uh, support uh, from Canada and essentially saying that it, it goes beyond just words, that they are looking at action. Um, so I guess on this front, we, we need to stay tuned. Uh, but certainly, I think that this is a very, um, you know, rapidly evolving situation. And uh, I think Canada is making it very clear that, um, you know, they're um, getting prepared to take further steps. All right. We'll see what happens. Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Christy Kirkup of the Globe and Mail. We are in a, in a very difficult time for our nation. We believe very strongly that this has been a national crisis. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At National News Watch, Ed Broadbent considers the use of the Emergencies Act. Broadbent writes, What we've seen the last few weeks has been shocking, and we are here today because of a failure of leadership. The people of Ottawa were abandoned while governments argued over jurisdiction. It should never have come to this. However, compared to the War Measures Act, the Emergencies Act has reduced powers, added significant parliamentary review, and was created in part to support and uphold the Charter. But the use of the Emergencies Act doesn't alone fix the situation we are in. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues... The federal government should make the case for extra powers to deal with occupations and blockades. The Star writes, It's still not clear whether the powers of the Federal Emergencies Act were needed to clear the streets of Ottawa. But that precedent has now been set. Now, there's a good case to be made for giving government new powers to deal with occupation-style protests and blockades. In particular, the money behind such movements must be controlled. It's time for the government to make that case and seek approval from Parliament for such powers. They should not be rushed in under the cover of an emergency whose urgency is rapidly ebbing. In the Hill Times, Abbas Rana considers the risks of aligning with the convoy protesters. Rana writes, Some Conservative MPs' embrace of the convoy is a risky strategy that might help the party harness the populist wave now but could backfire in future. Many, including those within the party, are concerned with how conservative members are feeding into populist rhetoric and deepening the political divide. The conservative caucus itself is divided between those who support the demonstrators and those opposed not only to the protest, but to the Trump-style politics and populism some conservatives are emulating. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will chair a meeting of the Incident Response Group on the Illegal Blockades 
and the situation in Ukraine. International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan will provide details on funding to support post-COVID recovery of regional air transportation ecosystems. The Minister of Families, Karina Gould, will announce additional support for early learning and childcare workers across Manitoba. Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will make an announcement about support for the Plymouth Community and Recreation Association in Nova Scotia. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will virtually join agriculture organizations across Canada to discuss on-farm investments to lower emissions and implement beneficial management practices. Official Languages Minister Jeanette Pettipaw-Taylor will take part in a virtual news conference with the Northern Affairs Minister Dan Vandal. And Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan will make an announcement about support for the towns of Bay Bowles, Whitless Bay and Petty Harbour, Maddox Cove in Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, February 22nd. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.